Dale is now going to bring the word of the Lord to us. Thanks, Dale. Thanks, Graham. He's, uh, he's put me in a good position this morning. I feel very comfortable with that. Apologies, but this is the third time I get to preach this message, which is quite joyous for me. But uh, it means that I was up here this morning, and I'm going to come down closer to you for the second time, and also had the chance to share the same message on Thursday evening this week at our Thursday service. By the way, quick plug, if you ever want to come to Thursday Evening Church, we're here. It's fantastic. It's a lot of fun. And uh, we go for about 45 minutes, sharp and sweet. Nice, quick church service. But anyway, on to the business. Well, this morning, we embark on a new series, a new series together from the book of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to need my clicker. And the passage we've just read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is an interesting one. It has a lot to say. There is a lot in it. And I've titled my sermon this morning to Each is Given, which comes from the seventh verse there. But just before we get into that this morning, I I just want to take a, a minute, just a minute or two, to think about what was happening a year ago was happening a whole year ago, those with great memories in the room might remember, we were preaching a series on 1 Corinthians. Wow. We've come full circle. Here we are, preaching another series on 1 Corinthians. A different passage, but in fact, almost exactly this time last year, I preached a sermon on uh, Corinthians chapter 7, and my message was focused around, distinctly, our theme for last year, our church theme. We just announced what our church theme was. Those who were here last week will know that we just announced what our theme for this year is. And our theme last year was closer. To discover what it meant to be closer to God. And, you know, I I really hope, I hope for all of us that this happened last year. That we can genuinely reflect and look back on the year that has gone and say, I am closer to God than I was. This is important. John Newton, uh, the former slaver and writer of Amazing Grace, which I'm sure many of you would, would know well, he said this, I am not what I ought to be, I am not what I want to be, I am not what I hope to be, but still I am not what I used to be, and by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's a paraphrase, he didn't say it exactly like that, but I think this conveys something very, very important, and he, through his song, conveyed something very important about the Christian message. That grace is something that we encounter on an ongoing basis. And we talked about being closer to God last year, but this closeness is not a destination exactly, and I think we discovered that as we went through the year. It's more of a constant positioning, a pursuit on our part as well to hear and be directed by God. This is what it means to be closer to God, to put ourselves in the position where God would speak and we would hear and be listening. And this is a part of our Christian walk, is continuing to grow in faith and in holiness. As Newton said, I'm not what I used to be. I'm changing. The big theological term for this is sanctification. It's the process of being made holy. We are becoming what God wants us to be step by step. And our theme this year is, can anyone say it? Can I hear it? Seek first, find hope, is our theme for this year. Seek first, find hope. 
And in many ways, nothing has changed with our theme. It is very, very similar to Closer. We're still endeavouring to be close to God. We're still seeking. But this time, I'd like to think that our theme has morphed a little bit. Now stay with me. You will see Power Rangers on the screen. Okay, stay with me. These are the mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Now, in fact, you may not know about the Power Rangers, and that's okay, you don't have to know a lot about the Power Rangers. My guess is, though, that through popular culture, you may have seen them around. You may recognise them. The English is terrible because they actually call themselves the mighty Morphin Power Rangers, not Morphing Power Rangers. But we, as Christians, are morphing. We are changing, we are transforming, we are growing. Last week, Stuart talked to us about hope and about seeking. And that hope is not always what we expect it to be, that it changes, it can be hard. But that we are to be carriers of hope to our world. He also spoke of how it's amazing that God deigns to use us as frail and faulted creatures. He, he uses me, despite all of my inadequacies and weaknesses, he uses us frail, faulted creatures. When we're talking about amazing grace earlier, that is so true. God saved a wretch like me, and that's amazing grace. And he continues to save me and you as we trust in him. Now, I want to suggest to you this morning that God is morphing you, changing you, transforming you into the man or the woman of God that he wants you to be. You are becoming more, as we often put it in Christianese language, Christ-like, more like Christ. You are a Power Ranger. It's very exciting. I hope it is. To be uh, taken away from the Power Rangers for a moment, Paul puts it like this a bit more seriously. He says, And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. The Spirit transforms us, takes us, to do this, to transform, to morph, there's a few things that happen along the way, and it's quite incredible. Some of it is a conscious decision on our part to live our lives and trust and faith in God. But this work cannot be done by us alone. The Holy Spirit must do it. We can't achieve salvation. We can't achieve holiness in our own strength or efforts. We can't make ourselves better. That is the, the message of the gospel we need saving, we need a saviour, we need Jesus. A few weeks ago, uh, I preached a message about the wisdom of the wise man. It was Epiphany. And I'm not going to re-preach that message, but there was a few things there that I, I thought were worth mentioning again. These wise men, they sought out Jesus. They sought first Jesus. They followed a star. They had light that they followed. And, of course, they worshipped him. They found Jesus and they worshipped him. It's important to note that this journey is a continual journey of faith and we, we must continue to trust and allow God's spirit to work in and through us. So, of spiritual gifts, as we get to the passage, there is a lot that could be said. And indeed, Graham was right earlier when he said that this is a tricky passage. But there are some simple things we can take. Spiritual gifts exist we are told. The Corinthians were pagans in this passage, it says, and they literally were worshipping other gods before they worshipped Jesus. 
They may have had some concerns about what was spoken about Jesus and his name. And Paul says that all the gifts come from God, from the Spirit. There's also a mention here in this passage of the Trinity. It's not God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as we see in many other parts of the Bible, but in fact, it is more subtle than that. It's the words used in the Greek here that are mentioned. When it mentions the Spirit, it is pneuma. When it is Jesus, Lord, it is kyrios, which is the most common designation for Lord of Jesus in the New Testament. And when it's God, it is, of course, Theo. The gifts are used in concert in Trinity. And what I mean by that is that God works them as a whole. It's not just one part of God, the Godhead, that works the gifts. It's all the part of the Godhead that gives us these gifts. Now, depending on your theological background, many of us Anglicans here, you may have heard very different interpretations of this passage. In fact, you may have heard very different outworkings of what these spiritual gifts should look like and what they are and how they work. And you know what? That is a very valid and important discussion. But I'm not going to tackle it today. Because I actually think that all of the discussion about the spiritual gifts and about this passage in particular in the New Testament distract us from the main point of them in the first place. We get so busy arguing about things sometimes within churches and denominations and theologically that we don't actually hit the main point. We don't understand that there is one major thing that Paul actually wanted people to get out of this, and that is that to each is given a gift. We are given these gifts. It is important that they be used. 100% it is important that they be used. And it's important how they are used. But so much talk goes into just discussing them and arguing, and yet very little outworking often occurs. We're warned in the book of James to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And I'm up for a robust theological conversation about this, and I'd love to have conversations about what these gifts actually are and how they work. But often what happens is that if there's difficulty with a passage in Scripture, people sit on their hands and don't actually do anything about it. And I'm not trying to be accusatory here. All I'm trying to say is that these gifts are practical and spiritual. And in fact, they are not the only gifts that we are given. There are many, many other gifts. First of the gifts is, of course, the love and grace of God, salvation itself, the greatest gift. We are given gifts from God. Paul says this very, very clearly. He says, oh, I've missed a slide somewhere in there. I definitely have. That's back to the Power Rangers. We'll get there in a moment. He says, to each is given the gift of the Spirit for the common good. Now, there are other places in Scripture that there are gifts as well, including Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. The emphasis here is that we are given these gifts for the common good, and we're supposed to use them for each other. Now, I've given away my next slide, but the most important thing to remember here is that you are a Power Ranger. Don't forget it. It's very important this morning. You are given these gifts, whatever they may be, practical or spiritual, from God for the common good to help others, yourself and others. You are a power ranger. You are changing into more like Jesus, morphing, as it were. A crucial part of spiritual maturity is to identify what gifts we have and how to use them. 
Now, this is best done with wise people in our lives who can direct us, and, of course, by asking the Holy Spirit and praying about what gifts we have to share. We all have our own part to play, both within the church walls and outside, for God and for his kingdom. Now, we're going to continue on in the next few weeks on Corinthians, and the next couple of verses, I'm giving away somebody else's sermon, is about the body of Christ, the church, and we all have different parts to play. We all have different roles. Being a Christian is not a spectator sport. We are on the field. We have work to do. Finding our gifts is, in fact, a very practical way in which we seek first and find hope. Getting back to our theme. And the reason for this is that the gifts themselves come from God. They come from God alone. And that we must seek him to find out what they are and how to use them. We have to seek first. If we're going to be effective in using our gifts for God, no matter what they are, we need to seek first. Secondly, they give us purpose and help us to encourage others. There is great fulfillment when we use what God has given us. They are for the common good. They direct us towards hope. And Jesus, uh, sorry, Stuart ended his message last week saying that hope has a name. I don't know if anyone remembers that. It caught me very strongly as he finished preaching. Hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. And people will see that hope through you and your gifts and how you use them. They will see Jesus by how you use your gifts. So what now? Well, I quoted James before. We need to be doers and not just hearers only. We can't just hear this message and do nothing. I hope you don't. I know there's been many times in my life where I've heard great messages, and I'm not saying this is a great message, but I've heard messages and I've, I've not done what I should have done. So I want us to be challenged this morning to look at our gifts. Ask God today what it is that he wants you to do. How is he wanting you to serve him? Now, some of you may already have a very clear view of this in your life, and you might be doing it. You might be using your gifts every day in the way that you know God is leading you. But we need to be bold in this, in seeking God and also in finding hope. We also need to encourage other people around us to find their gifts and to grow. We are a growing church on the Gold Coast, which is a fantastic thing. And the way that we have become a growing church is because people have willingly given of their gifts. And this year, we, uh, we heard in the announcements earlier that there is always things to do, both practical things around the church and ways in which you can use your spiritual giftings. But at the start of this year, as we look to serve God, to seek him and find hope, what are you doing with your gifts? We must seek this out. The past week, and I'm going to end with this this morning, um, I, was, uh, I was reading a, uh, a devotional uh, amongst a few that I've been reading um, from Charles Spurgeon. And he says this, and the, the sentiment itself is, is very much from a passage in Scripture that I'm sure you will know, A City on a Hill. But he says this, A Christian is not to be a village in a valley, but a city set upon a hill. They are not to be a candle under a bushel, but a candle in a candlestick giving light to all. We have a responsibility as Christians to seek first and find hope with our gifts. 
You might have seen these scattered around you at different points around the church. This is a gift. I thought this morning this would be a great visual for me to be able to communicate what I really felt God was impressing upon my heart when I was preparing this message. We are like this gift. Sometimes we look good on the outside, sometimes not so pretty, sometimes we have a nice bow. Depends on how long we prepare and get ready to go out. But on the inside of this gift, there is nothing. It is empty. There is nothing inside of here. And I want to contend this morning that we are often empty. And God fills the space. God comes inside and makes the difference. And makes this gift an incredible thing, an amazing thing, a beautiful thing. And when people open your life, are they going to find God on the inside? Will they find God at work there? Will they find the gifts of God inside of you? It's a challenge for us as Christians that we have to seek first and find hope. And that responsibility is for ourselves and that responsibility is for others. So this morning, these are scattered around the church. If you would like to, and I know not everyone will, feel free to take this. As a reminder, at the start of this year, what gift you can give to serve God and of what we are and what he wants to make us into, change us into day by day, glory to glory. Let us pray. Lord, thank you, first of all, for the gift of your son, the greatest gift of all. I pray that you would help us as a church to grow in our giftings, practical and spiritual, to serve your kingdom, not only in these walls, God, but in our families, in our workplaces, in our world. Lord, may we be carriers of hope in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.